Welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast, where my guests and I share tips to help and inspire you to build a great personal brand, to increase your visibility and authority. I am your host, Claire Bond, and on today's episode, I am very excited to be joined by Katrina Xavier. Katrina is the founder and CEO of Blitz Marketing, an influencer marketing agency that focuses on marketing for luxury brands. She started her career in politics, doing crisis communications and press for several high profile government members. And Katrina, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you here. Excited to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So, um, I you probably didn't know this, but I actually got a degree in government and um, I graduated from UT Austin and my first foray was a, an internship at the Texas House of Representatives. So That's when I, I, yeah, so I've been actually very kind of excited to, to be able to talk to you because I literally, um, I, I kind of had this like, I had a fatalistic kind of view of like, okay, if I get a job in this, then I'm going to, then I'm going to stay in Texas and do government. And if not, I'm moving to New York. So basically I moved to New York. So it didn't happen. And and yeah, so it's just, I'm kind of like, I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, you know what, we're just going to let the universe decide. (laughs) Sometimes letting the universe decide does result in some interesting avenues that come up that are yeah. so worth it. And you couldn't well, have connected the dots beforehand. So I mean, had out. I not moved to New York, well, my government, my, my, my husband always thinks that, um, that we would have met regardless, but I met him in New York. So, you know, I think it was meant to be. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so I would love to know um, how you went from, you know, government communications to, opening your own influencer marketing agency. Okay. Well, it was quite the hiatus just because I went into university idealistic and excited and going to change the world because Don't I we came all? from a background, right? <laughs> it's exactly like filled with excitement, filled with all that I could change in the world and I was going to make a real difference. Yeah. Um, and so right after university, I graduated with economics and politics and then Luckily, got a job in politics, hustled my way through, made sure, got in front of the right people, um, and then ended up in a very tumultuous position mm. under a mayoral candidate um, at the time that had some questionable endeavors that were coming out in the media. So because of those, I was able to navigate a number of positions because 11 people were fired the day I started. It was, it was exciting. It was exhilarating the entire time. I was fight or flight. Um, And you go through this whole process and you're really going to, you get in front of a lot more doors that way when you take a risky position. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was able to change some legislation, get involved on the policy framework, as well as the communications front. But after moving through multiple members' um, offices, I decided at the end that was I really making a difference? Was I having the impact that I wanted um, I had a bit of a existential crisis where I was like, I am, I, is this it? Is this what I was meant for? Um, and then I decided to quit. I ran away, um, to the other side of the country, found yoga and found spirituality, um, and then attended a number of conferences in Amsterdam and across the world. Um, and then found something called the next web. And then during that process, I was able to connect with people who are in charge of Google's AI front, new tech advances that were coming out, um, Facebook's platform integrations, just kind of going through the back end. Um, and then I realized it's, it's a real way to communicate through the marketing technologies that are out there right now. 
and then decided to start Blitz Marketing. And then as I was going through what every agency owner does, where you offer every piece of marketing that you can in the beginning, we ended up niching into influencer marketing because I prefer the authenticity piece that came with it. Nice. And so that's, yeah. that's a bit of my navigation. <laughs> um, my, one of my first jobs, I was working, doing financial services in New York. So I was working at a um, financial services firm um, doing PR for them. And I it just the urgency that everything had. And I'm like, they're not curing cancer. I'm not feeling any joy in this. Like mm-hmm. just, you know, and um yeah, you have to have some joy in it for whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing. You have to find something in it. Otherwise you're like, I hate this. So, um, it's it's taking you longer to do an item because there's no passion in it. And creativity is so required for so many things that if you're not passionate, you can't pull on those resources mentally. Yeah. So you literally found this just, so were, were you an influencer at the time? Like how so I don't... at the time? No, I was okay. not. I was okay. just an extremely curious nerd um, okay. to put it blankly. And then by going into saying yes to the universe, basically, mm-hmm. um, and saying yes to every opportunity from incubators to think tanks to, I had a year, um, gap that I had given myself to go through everything and say yes to everything from app development to marketing to product development um, and really get my hands into everything. And then Mm -hmm. I found that I really was passionate about social media and the ability to enact the change that I truly wanted within politics. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then I started my own social media journey. And then as I grew my following, I realized, ooh, there's a way to connect other humans who are really doing a good job with brands. And mm-hmm. so that connecting that authenticity piece and that alignment piece of making sure that brands are aligned with who's communicating yeah. about them um, is what we've kind of prioritized at Blitz. I mean, the because you kind of hit a couple of things, um, <laughs> and what's it, it, it actually interesting um, is I don't I don't really get into politic, politics, uh, you know, my personal life or on mm-hmm. my platform. I mean, I think that uh, a true person that's been there, you're like, mm, no, we we don't we don't I'm go gonna there. touch that one. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and I I don't really care what spectrum anyone is really on. I am just kind of like I love all people. It's also like, fluid. You're that kind of person, it's constantly like, changing. Yeah, and I feel like. I see a lot, uh, especially we're going into an election. Um, you see a lot of people doing stuff wrong, right? Because <laughs> in social media, because you talked about authenticity mm-hmm. and ugh, politics and authenticity often do not go yeah. hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so what do you, I mean, I, I, how do you, what do you, what are you kind of seeing? I'm going to, I'm going to put you a little on spot. Like, do you think That's like okay. the people that are like literally re- truly authentic, are they rising to the top or are people that are good at faking it or both? What's I your think feeling it's a combination. on that? Okay. In the current marketplace, I think people have seen enough that they've started to trust their intuition a bit more mm. and can suss out when something is fake news to some extent. But then at the same time, people have gotten really, really good at faking it. And mm-hmm. so there's there's a crisis of consciousness in this framework where people, inauthentic talent or in, inauthentic influencers, whether it's a politician, that's an influencer, or mm-hmm. a person in their home connecting with their viewers, if they're inauthentic, it stands out now. 
with mm -hmm. the platforms on the back end. And so oftentimes you won't see the engagement and you won't see the views and you won't see the notoriety and the actual impact that they have if it's mm -hmm. fake, which mm -hmm. is nice to see because there was a period of time that people could fake it and grow. Mm -hmm. But now I think people are a little bit more cognizant of fake yeah. and they're looking for real. And real is trending, yeah. <laughs> trending a bit more than fake is. So it's, I, even, yeah, it's a God. mental mind game where now people who want to fake it have to pretend to be real to get <laughs> audiences. So therefore they're real. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird moment that we're living in. No, I, it's, what's interesting because I mean, a lot of times we'll deal with, with clients and, and, um, sometimes, or even, even consultations of what my, um, <clears throat> co-founder and people will be very fixated. Like we, we've gotten into dialing into what are you actually after? And when they're mm -hmm. after like lead gen, they're so focused on, I need to make money. I need an ROI. I need to make money. I need to make money that like, it just permeates everything that, that authenticity of, I truly want to help people build. I want to build my personal brand and become a thought leader. Like you can, it's, it's, it's not authentic. You can literally kind of just be like, uh, something's off. Yeah. Because what? they're not solving a pain point. They're solving their own pain point, which is financial gain. Yeah. And so there's a short-term evaluation and a long-term evaluation with brands. And oftentimes when people come into us, I can suss out when someone is so short run focused that they mm -hmm. need to take a step back and actually make a plan. Because yeah. if they just institute the short run, they're going to run out of capital so quick. It's, it's mm -hmm. beyond anyone's capacity of solving for them. Yeah. Well, and some, sometimes, a lot of times, um, <laughs> there's just no helping those people until they no. figure out that there's a problem and they finally come back and they're like, oh, you know. Yes. And yeah. the biggest point is to always keep in mind that even when you're creating a product or creating anything, you're creating it for someone and you mm -hmm. just need a thousand of those someones to buy from you at a thousand dollars of like lead runway in mm -hmm. order to make a million bucks. Right. Yeah. So within that framework, sell to quality, not sell to masses. I remember I was in kind of very early on, um, doing personal branding and I was, I was speaking to somebody and she, and very fixated on me, kind of like figuring out what she was going to, I, this is how I figuring out what she was going to do when she grew up. I'm like, I, I'm mm -hmm. never going to, I can't tell you what you, you're going to be when you grow up. That's not my job, but yeah. I can tell you this, that like you need, you know, explore what, what works for you and this kind of thing, but don't quit your day job. <laughs> Oh, like because the amount so of worried. people that need to not quit their day job yet don't quit <laughs> your day job sold these concepts online where even for an influencer people are told that you can make money quickly by being an influencer <sighs> no any influencer who is actually worth their stuff will tell you it took them close to five years to actually mm -hmm. start making the revenue enough to quit their day job and mm -hmm. even then, they probably kept their day job for a little bit longer yes. to make sure yes. that there was consistency because there's yes. no consistent revenue there. No. Um, <laughs> I really kind of like I was an actress and, and then I started one of my kind of things that I started doing is I um, started doing stuff. I basically had a YouTube channel where I did food. I did like a food show. Um, Great. And so I, I was doing all of that. And it kind of evolved into lifestyle. And then I started doing, you know, influencer marketing. And, and it's actually funny. I'm in my um, 
uh, guest room and I actually have like a Murphy bed with a bed that was sent to me because I, I did a, did a, um, uh, you know, activation with, with mm-hmm. this company. And like, so it's like, I was really in that whole thing. And for me, it, it did not feel good. And obviously my business took off, but ultimately you've got to try a lot of things and a lot of things just don't feel good. And mm-hmm. you, I don't know. I feel it's just, a, it's such a weird thing. If people aren't in tune with them themselves and how they, how they truly feel, without Mm -hmm. other people telling them how they feel. If you really think about how you are feeling the universe and you, you will get to the right thing. And you have to almost do the rocking chair test where you sit in your space and sit in a rocking chair 10 years from now or 20 years from now and envision the life you just led. And Mm -hmm. when you go through that process, then you can actually highlight some of the things that you're actually passionate about versus the noise that you've been given by popular media or concepts that you've been given in terms of finances or other things, but you can kind of feel away the noise and Mm -hmm. see what you truly are supposed to do in that framework and then act accordingly. How long did it take you to get to that point? Because it seems like tears, a lot of tears, (laughs) but let's be real here. (laughs) There's a lot of moments where you question everything because there's so much commentary around you. Um, but oftentimes I find for me personally, it took me about two and a half years of going through the drawing board and testing test Mm -hmm. and stop it when it isn't feeling right. That's Mm -hmm. the key. You have to test multiple things, but know when to stop when something isn't in alignment. Yeah. Um, And so trying all of those things, it was important for me. I saw this inspirational story in the news. I think it was last week of a 51 year old man that just became a doctor. Uh, like a medical doctor. Um, and he, he just had always dreamed of doing it and he had a family and kids and he had a very successful auto mechanic business. Um, and he literally put himself through school like at night and all these things. And he finally became a doctor because that was his dream. Um, and he started his like residency at 47. So you literally, you literally look at that and, and, it's, it's some, I, I, sometimes I have, I've talked with people or I have people on the podcast and I don't necessarily agree. I completely am in alignment with, with you, but I think that many people think they're like, oh, well, I'm like 30 and this person's 30 and they, you know, you can't compare yourself to someone like Beyonce or something like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? You haven't had their life. And I think that's a, that's a problem that I see when you see all of these influencers or you see, you don't know their backstory. You don't really know all the, the bumps in the road and the things that they, that it took to get there or truly someone that just gave them, gave them, you know, an invitation mm-hmm. to make it easy, which happens. So I, I like that, you, that you're very truthful with, with what it took because I sometimes think that people aren't. And that kind well, of I, there's two <laughs> concepts that have really resonated with me over time through this little journey that I've been on um, is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second <laughs> best time is right now. So if like you that. are going to start something, you have a passion, whenever it comes, just be ready to run with it because mm-hmm. the universe will put it in your path, whether you're 90 or 20, it does not matter. It does not change anything because it's mm-hmm. the consistency and the ability to run with it. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second thing is the iceberg effect. You only see the top of the iceberg. But you don't know how big the struggle is underneath it. 
Mm-hmm. And so everyone has their own iceberg and we are only privy to the top tiny little piece that we see. Yeah. We have no idea what someone went through underneath it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear in, in all of that, the fear of the unknown. Um, so yeah, do it, find your support system. I think that's like mm-hmm. so key. Do you have a big support system that helped you I through? Do. Good. Yeah. That's... I, have, I have two pieces that have worked really well for me. One, a really wonderful partner um, and family. One mm-hmm. thing my mom always told me, she was a single mom. So bringing me up was quite difficult, but she did I had it. a single mom too. With, exuberance and she provided me with so much direction that was phenomenal she always said don't be afraid to jump as high as you want because i'll always be there to catch you so that was important i could always test in every direction that i wanted and Mm -hmm. then the other piece that was phenomenal is being able to be honest with people around me Mm -hmm. when something wasn't working i was able to say hey this is failing can someone Mm -hmm. help me troubleshoot this yeah which i think a lot of us are afraid of a lot of people don't ask for help mm-hmm. or ask questions. Yeah. For me, I feel like my mom, um, she, she got very, very ill. She, uh, she died uh, 16 years ago at this point. And um, it was her getting really sick. That was like, what am I waiting for? Being unhappy. Mm-hmm. You know, and oftentimes in our lives, we need something that like, that was a fire that resulted in who you are now which is mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I have that fire barking at me daily and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, no matter yeah. what country she's in, she will find me and bark at me. And it's amazing. Like, yeah. Whenever I need that extra push of like, you can actually do it. Yeah. I call my mom. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. Cause like, um, my husband calls it like my inner, like bulldog. It's kind of like what I kind of, am like, no, <laughs> I'm like, I have, I know I need to do this and nothing's going to stop me. But you know, um, that's what creative, that's what creates things in the world, that yeah. energy and channeling yeah. that energy into whatever it is. Like, I think oftentimes people don't put their hundred percent into something and then yeah. they wonder why it didn't work. Yeah. I've, I've just, I've, this has been such a, uh, this like kind of this conversation has been so much fun. I do want, I do want to ask you kind of, um, because, you know, you came from the political realm. Um, what are the two things that you would say that um, if you're building your personal brand for political purposes, what are two things you should avoid? Uh, thinking that you should, you know, all the answers as a brand owner. Um, consult people who know what they're doing. It'll save mm-hmm. you a lot in the long run. Um, mm-hmm. There's no place for ego in building. And when you're, I think that goes for it, anyone building a brand. Yeah. Does exactly. it matter if it's political or yeah, anything at all? Yeah. But put your ego aside and run with it. You do not need to be the smartest person in that room. Yeah. It actually shows a lot more to the general public, especially in politics. If you have people who are authority figures around you consulting you on how to best build your brand. Right. And well, I, the, I, oh, sorry. No, I okay. heard something recently that was, that was talking about how like the loudest people are the ones that actually don't know what they're doing and the ones that are kind of retrospect, like, you know, a little, they're, they're, they're thinking and they're listening are actually the smartest ones. Always. I've yeah. seen it so many times. I've been in the room and anyone who walks in with that swagger um, and acts like they know everything is the most insecure person in the room and they need mm-hmm. a moment 
And yeah. so you always look for the person who's well seasoned because they will be quiet. And at the mm-hmm. end, they will leave you with so many golden nuggets in one sentence. And that's all they had to do to basically blow your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listening. It's so Listening. important. It's key. It's very key. Um, and then when it comes to building brands, the biggest thing, biggest takeaway I would say is co- oftentimes you hear people say copying a brand that is competitive, like a competitor, copying okay. their marketing methods is actually going to mm. work. No, it doesn't. Every brand's unique and your avatar that you're going after is unique. So mm-hmm. devise a plan, have a plan, and then run with it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's important, though, to see what your competitors are doing, to know what works, what's not working. To evaluate, always, but every yeah. five minutes, platforms are changing and things are changing. Yeah. So if you come in saying, oh, Facebook's, Facebook ads are going to work for me right now, you don't know what the landscape is and you don't know whether yeah. they to them 10 years ago or five years ago and what the actual tangibles that you can take away from it are. Yeah. Oh, ads. Oh, goodness. I know. Everyone oh. cringes when they feel... Everyone's talking... Talk to an AI, like, basically as a person mm-hmm. and troubleshooted an ad before. Every single uh, one of us. It's just, and then you yeah, realize you're speaking it. to a piece of tech to convince them to let your ad go through. It's a, it's yeah. a concerning moment. I know. It's just, it's always so frustrating. <laughs> what do you, what do you think that like, what are some key things that you tell the influencers that you work with? Like to, when they're kind of building their brands, what, are, how are the influencer brand building? How is it different than kind of like political brand building? Absolutely. So when you're becoming an influence influencer, the biggest thing that I tell them is remember that it, you have to have influence. So you're mm. building trust and you're building an audience. And so you, any creator that is saying in the beginning that they're just going in with the intention of making money, this mm-hmm. is not the platform for you. If you have something you have to say or something that you are nurturing, then you will build an authentic audience. And that's what you should be passionate and driving towards. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one. And then the same kind of goes for politics as well. Politicians don't do it for anything like monetary based because you don't make a lot as a politician. Mm-hmm. And then number two, don't go for ego. So really, if you have a platform that you're building in terms of clean air or lobbying an item that is so passionate towards you, then mm-hmm. you will be successful because you will find yeah. your community. Yeah. I, authenticity is like one of the biggest keys, but it's, it's, it's one of the things that I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a buzzword right now. Yeah. Um, and it's overused in a lot of categories and defining it is difficult with a lot of mm-hmm. different groupings just because mm-hmm. what does it really mean to be authentic? And if you're saying that you're authentic publicly, then are you really authentic or are you are you just touting it? Like there's mm-hmm. layers to this right. concept yeah. um, that you can really dive deep into. Yeah. It's funny because like sometimes you hear people talk and they're like, oh, you know, I don't judge and I I never, I'm never judgmental. And you're like, why'd you even bring it up? (laughs) It's impossible to do that. (laughs) But but do you know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, I'm authentic. I'm the most authentic person. You're just like, why are you bringing it up unless you doubt it or not not, or you're faking it or yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, Yeah. It's an interesting thing to unpack with people too, because it yeah. also flares ego right away. So it's this beautiful process to navigate mm-hmm. the concept yeah. of it. 
Yeah. Uh, I actually had a very interesting experience um, recently and I'm like, Hmm, I hope no one that was involved is listening to this podcast, but anyway, <laughs> but I had two, two different dinners that I did one that was so uncomfortable. The people were not authentic and it was kind of mm. like, Oh, you did that. Well, I did this. Well, you did that. And I did this. And I'm like, Oh, and then I had, and I told similar stories Mm-hmm. And, and, but it was, the people were not listening to any of the stories and I was trying to listen, but it was just, a, just not a fun evening. The next night I went to a, a dinner party and I told the same stories and people like they explored things with me and, and kind of layered their kind of, uh, things that happened to them. And, and it was a wonderful Mm. time and I'm like so interesting because I, I was kind of like oh if I tell the same stories I wonder how these are gonna you know land here and like people laughed at my stories because usually people laugh at my stories because I try to make people I try to entertain I mean it's kind of like mm-hmm. going back to my acting days and it was so interesting when you kind of deal with people and personalities and you don't know what's going on up here what there but yeah it's just so crazy um I love that sometimes like not Sitting really in the that energy in that energy after something had there's a transference of like honesty and integrity yeah. and, and that openness mm-hmm. and then sitting in that energy afterwards is phenomenal uh, yeah there's kind of an ick to the energy of being a closed room versus Ugh. an open room um, and being able to facilitate those open rooms is is mm-hmm. so difficult, but also so important for us as humans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the difficult rooms are very difficult. <laughs> I think people also are a bit more, they're on shaky ground because of the way the world works right now. Everything is kind of built on a bit of a house curse. And mm. so getting people to open up is, is proving to be a bit more difficult than it would have been in the past because they're afraid mm. of A, being canceled or mm. some kind of exposure or social media going viral about them. And there's so many pieces mm-hmm. that they're working with. Yeah. But there's like a bit of an insecurity that's kind of resonating with people right now that I would yeah. love to see that change. Right. Um, I would love the openness to come back a bit more. I feel like wouldn't it be interesting to kind of see the parallel universe of 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 what it would be like if we were essentially like back in the 90s or back in like mm-hmm. the 80s where we didn't have all this social media. You didn't know what all the thing you weren't constantly, you know, I mean, everyone always had keeping up with the Joneses, but they live next door mm-hmm. to you. You weren't keeping up with like 80 different people going like, I am, I didn't go on a vacation. I didn't do these things. So I would, yeah. What would it look like? I feel like people would be happier. Cause I think there was a, a deeper sense of joy that was present before, whereas mm-hmm. now there's always this competitive element because we are yeah. humans. We do compare ourselves to our neighbors. That That is a marketing tactic that has been used for generations. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but now there's a, your neighbor pool has extended to someone in the UK or someone completely on the other side of the world right. driving around in some luxury car that you didn't, think that you needed but now you do and in order to prove your worth you're trying to assimilate into their their environment mm-hmm. but what people don't realize is by being you and taking away all that stuff you're actually more likely to grow an audience and build your tribe yeah i mean do you ever work with like when you're working with the influencers do you ever kind of have to deal with that like kind of trying to get them to weirdly enough step away from like you know step away from the platform sometimes kind of for their mental health so it's interesting in the way we work oftentimes with the influencers 
we partner them with brands. So we Got aren't it. on the building the influencer side as much Got it. just okay. because every five minutes a creator is changing and their landscape's mm-hmm. changing and the way their audience is engaging is completely different and every brand mm-hmm. is different. But mm-hmm. one thing we've noticed is when content comes in for approval, there are moments where we can suss out right away where something wasn't in alignment and we may need to repartner with a different creator that is a mm-hmm. little, little bit more in line with being authentic to what they want. Like if mm-hmm. they aren't likely to use that product, maybe we shouldn't be working with that product. Maybe we'll find them something else that's a bit more in alignment. Yeah. Um, and then making sure that both pieces are, are there where the brand is getting someone who's an actual avatar mm-hmm. and the influencer is getting a brand that speaks to them properly. Yeah. That's, it's, that's it's a so whole, key. There's like 48 points of contact per influencer. Like it's a whole okay. gambit. Of yeah. ne- like kind of navigating that entire landscape because mm-hmm. it's very hard to find someone that is in alignment. But once you do roll with that, mm-hmm. create multiple yeah. engagement pieces. Yeah. I, so what I, I always like to leave the audience with kind of three tips. What are three tips that you can give the audience? Um, in terms of building their brand? Yeah. I mean, like based on your, based on your expertise. So if you were like, yeah, bu- you know, building a brand to either to influence essentially, Absolutely. What, what, what are three tips that you would give? Tip number one, think long-term consistency is key. Um, you're in it for a long period of time and do not look for reasons to quit. Look for Mm -hmm. reasons to engage more than anything. And if you need to take a break in that, take a break, but come back consistent. Um, Number two is know what you are solving. Have a problem that you're solving, whether it's nutritious meals for people or it is mom solutions or style solutions. Know the pain point that you're solving. Um, If it's political, clean air. If it's environmental, if it's like anything, always look for what you're solving. Because if you aren't solving something for people, why are you doing it? Because it's a selfless act to put your content out there and to really communicate with people. You have to put yourself in a selfless position to be able to engage with them properly. And the third thing, it's not about the money. The money will come, but it's about what you're putting out there. Always. I love that. I feel like the last two um, are so important because everyone is always so concerned mm-hmm. with a lot of people are concerned, I will say, um, with with the ROI and how much mm-hmm. things cost and that sort of thing. If they're always very concerned. They're like, I want to share this information. I want to do these things. And it's like, it's not about you. What problems are you solving? Who are you helping? Go and yeah. help somebody. If yeah. you help 10 people, those 10 people will go tell another 10 people and then you will have 20 clients. Like it's mm-hmm. very, very simple. Great, great stuff. Thank you so much, Katrina. We just, it was such a great conversation and, and um, it's so many things to kind of unpack that we unpacked and so many things to, to take away, right? Authentic, authenticity is so key. You know, go find your authenticity, take time, um, all that sort of stuff. I I absolutely love this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And thank you for listening and watching. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye.